iPad here managing the uh, slides, and I thought I'll just have a piece of paper, you know, a bit more paper. So bear with me. Are you guys happy to be here on Easter? You know, we just want to thank, uh, you know, all our staff. They've been working really hard. Even I think Harold is sick today, so, uh, and still kids' programs going on. I, I saw Michael this morning, my own brother-in-law, uh, doing the, uh, uh, Chris, maybe you can uh, just turn this on. He's got too many passwords. Um, and uh, helping out uh, with the cars. And so all our volunteers, our staff, we really thank you for making uh, today a success, right? So welcome to our sanctuary. For those who are at home, hi, mom, you're logging on, and uh, the rest of the family. And uh, if you are watching us for the first time, welcome to Full Gospel Assembly's uh, 10 a.m. service. We also have a non-streaming service later at 4 p.m. Um, look, I don't know about a ramen, escargot, durian, fairy bread. That's not kind of the food I like. Um, but still, I appreciate the efforts. The food that I like um, is one of my favorite dishes to make. It's a slow-cooked oven, uh, in the oven, three and a half hours, a roast lamb, well-seasoned the night before, marinated with salt, pepper, rosemary from our garden, which Denise has lovingly planted, uh, on a bed of um, celery and onion, uh, marinated overnight, obviously, did I say that, in a Costco Ziploc bag that's extra tough, and so the flavor really gets into it, um, and then over time, you bring it out, and you preheat your oven, put it onto a bed of onion and celery, cover it up with foil, and stick it into a preheated oven for about three hours, and if you do it well, Mm, 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 mm. The meat just falls off the bone. Um, you know, birds are flying outside. Uh, everyone is just waiting to eat. But that's not what we're having today for lunch, right? Uh, we have something better. We have Nasulama. We have all of those things. Uh, I'm just glad we have no more curry puffs. Or maybe we do. But, you know, I say to Chris, I don't mind curry puffs before you throw it at me. But for three months, man, it's just testing it, all right? You can eat chas you find all you want, but you know what? I just like variety. So I hope you stay back for lunch today. You know, the theme that we're speaking about is love is cooking. Something so good takes time to cook and uh, you prepare it well. And actually, if we're really, really honest with my roast lamb dish, if you do the preparation well up front, the oven actually takes care of the cooking. Yeah? The oven actually takes care of the cooking. Um, the thing is, if you don't do the preparation right, then once you stick it into the oven, as all the chefs will know, it's a little bit too late to change. So the trick is to get it right. I want to talk to you today about another kind of dish. You see, the Bible is like one giant kitchen, or maybe a one giant buffet. It has got cuisines, of every kind, genre. It is made, or the recipes come from different chefs, authors, and it's suitable for the youngest Sunday school to the Michelin star connoisseur, a Bible scholar. The Bible is God's dish for us throughout all of time. Written by over 40 chefs or authors over a period of 1,500 years. Now, if something as simple as a roast lamb dish that will take three or four hours to cook, boy, you don't want to miss the dish that has taken 1,500 years and still feeds you and I today. 
I was recently very impressed. I went into a, 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 a class that Auntie Peggy, where are you, Auntie Peggy? I just want to honor you. You know, you always inspire us. Are you in the kitchen? Where are you? Where? Where? Well, put your hand up. I can't see you, Auntie Peggy. Anyway. Oh, she's in the kitchen, right? She's cooking already, see? Um, in our Bible class, we have about 50 of us, which I really encourage you to join our Christian education class when it comes on. And uh, we talked about hermeneutics. How do we ex- uh, you know, understand and, uh, and unpack the Bible for all it's worth? And she mentioned this thing that really, I've heard about it, but I think it was brought home. And I want to share with you, as you are reading the Bible for yourself, whether you are a first-timer here, whether you have been a Christian for many, many, many years, there are some universal plumb lines or frameworks that will help us in your understanding of the Bible and appreciation of the dish. Now, you may not like escargot, but if you understand what it is, blends with and and the flavors that go with it, then you kind of know actually some of these acquired taste foods taste really, really good. So we call these the universal plumb lines. These are themes that run across the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as you are reading. The first plumb line uh, is God is a redeeming God. And he, he has a plan to save from Genesis, the saving uh, of Noah in the flood, or uh, uh, Isaac, uh, Abraham saving Isaac, uh, um, God saving the Israelites out from Egypt. Saving, saving, saving. There's always this theme of God saving His people. That's a plumb line and that's a framework that you see throughout Scripture. The second plumb line you will see is that of a Redeemer. Now, in the Old Testament, they would come in the form of animals, sacrifices. And in the New Testament, as we have heard when Chris talked about, uh, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, our Redeemer. And you would see that throughout Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, God sending a Redeemer, a Savior. And boy, if you only have to look at the front page news today to realize that we all need saving. Amen? And the last, which is probably my most favorite plumb line because it speaks to me, is that of a redeemed. You see, we are God's redeemed. And maybe you're inquiring today, maybe you're just saying, "Mm, I'm not quite sure about what all of this Christianity business is all about. I want to invite you to come close and draw near and lend me your ears for the next 30 minutes or so. Because the redeem is probably, for me, the most exciting and important because it speaks about the saved, the people that need a saviour that follow God's saving plan and the joys and the rewards we get for being saved. He draws how God draws, interacts with us. So I want to tell you a story today, or serve you a dish, if I may, as a waiter. And I'll do it the best as I can. Let me set up for you this dish. It was a horrific week for Jesus. He had just been... Um, um, charged unfairly. He had just been um, beaten and flogged to the point where his flesh was hanging out. He would soon be crucified as a common criminal, in fact, besides criminals. And at the, um, just before sunset, as we know, he gave up his spirit and he died. And so three days had elapsed. We talked about three days and three nights. And we now reach the day, the fourth day or the first day of the week, yeah, after Sabbath. And so we pick up the story then from John 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. 
So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there. But he did not go in. This is talking about John. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Picture this. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would unpack your dish for us this morning. I pray that as we study this word, as we, as we look at this word through your lens of your people, through your loved ones on that first day, that our hearts will be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do as you will, Master. Speak to us in down deep that you would capture our attention, that you would speak into the dark recesses of our hearts that only perhaps we ourselves may not know. But I ask this day, Holy Spirit, for your anointing. I ask that you would help me communicate your truths. Let your light shine, that darkness might flee, that hope will arise again, that as we study your word and then savor your dish, that we may experience the saving grace of our God again and again, afresh today. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. I'll break it down into four scenes or four courses. The first one, the stone, an empty tomb, a missing dead body. On the first day, Mary, first day of the week, they just had Sabbath. See, the thing was when Jesus was crucified, they, were taking his, they had to take his body down because the Sabbath was approaching and they were doing a very rush job to wrap his body up as was the custom in, in, in spices and, and quickly bury him because the celebration was coming and it was getting busy and they wanted to quickly get on with it. If you remember, they were looking to break the bones of those that were crucified. But Jesus had already died, so they didn't have to do that, right? Um, but the first day of the week, I mean... You kind of have to feel for Mary, but I'll talk about Mary a little bit because she kind of got it wrong. Because those of you who have read ahead, you'll know that nobody stole the body of Jesus, right? But here's what she said. I like Mary because she came at the first available instance, first day of the week, didn't give God the remnant. Even though her Lord, her master had been crucified and had died, she had gone back to the place where she knew best, where he had laid. I like the fact that it cost her something. It was the beginning of the week that she came. That's why as a church, we've elected to go into two services. Why we didn't just want to cram a, 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 another service, say on Saturday, after all of the Saturday uh, events with the children, the kids, and then an hour service and just go in and out. You know, you heard about Chris always telling us, you know, churches today are getting shorter and shorter. People just say, let's just come in. It's a bit like uh, Costco. Just go and get your stuff and go, right? We're intentionally 
lengthening, giving you the opportunity. We're intentionally creating space so that you would come, have a meal, that you'd share and do fellowship, koinonia, with one another. We're intentionally doing it because we want it truly to be the Lord's day. It should be the Lord's day. And, and, and that's why we're encouraging you to come on time early, come for our prayer meeting, come and spend just like Mary, first day of the week. And if you set that up right, I can tell you, it may not always be easy, but I can tell you in the long run, your traje- trajectory, it's going to be well for you and I. Because the Bible says if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be added. So come to church in person. Amen. Secondly, she came when it was still dark. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I've got a couple of kids and sometimes they don't like going out in the dark to throw rubbish, right? Because it's dark. It's scary. I don't know who else is there, Helen, but they just don't want to do it. Maybe they just don't want to do it and they just ask me to do it, you know? But that's a good excuse. Kids, you know, don't use that excuse. Now mom and dad, no. But, 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 but. So, but think about this. A woman at those days, scourged perhaps of society, not given a rightful place, together with some women, they'd come with their spices. Perhaps on their way to the tomb, you'll hear other recounts of these eyewitnesses in the four Gospels. I'm just picking on the book of John, but you can read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the different events pieced together. So these women would come while it was still dark. John hones in on Mary, a very personal experience. He hones in on her, and so she comes. And she must be thinking, how are we going to get in to this tomb? They didn't finish the anointing and burial process. I want to do the right thing, but it's dark and it's scary. The thing is, she still came. And maybe for as you are listening to this today and whether you're listening post-Easter on your way to work or wherever, and perhaps maybe you are in a dark place, and perhaps you're thinking, gee, is there any hope left? Can I encourage you? Do the Mary, that you would come anyway. And so that's what Mary did. She came, she came, and she came. I wonder how many of us will go the distance when it's dark. It's easy to hallelujah and praise the Lord when things are well. It's a lot harder, and I see a few nods when it's tough. When you have been served with divorce papers, when a doctor looks and says, I must talk to you, you have a serious condition. Or there's been a death in the family or your loved one has left. Can I encourage you today at the sound of my voice that though it may be dark, rest assured, Jesus is risen and there is hope that's coming. Amen? But she did make a mistake though, as we all do. Because in these periods of times of darkness and uncertainty, it's very easy to fill in the blanks with what we know or think we know, with what we believe based on our experience or what we believe to be true. Mary saw an empty tomb. Who could blame her? Stone's been rolled away. No guards there. Surely someone had taken Jesus. Surely. How else could you, uh, you know, explain it? I mean, the maybe closest you have would be Lazarus. He came out, but he was resuscitated. He's still at his body, right, wrapped up. But this is the first time now we are presented with an empty tomb. And so without thinking a glance, she goes up and just says, Hey, somebody has taken Jesus. Someone. I don't know who. We don't know where he's taken. But he's taken. It's sometimes easy in seasons like where we live in 
pandemic and, and not, you know, we're talking now about new strains and all of these noise that's going around us. It's so easy to fill in the blanks with what we know to be true. At least we think we know or we believe. But please read for more because God is about to change their belief system. Amen? And so we move to the second scene, the second course. And so Peter went out with the other disciple upon hearing Mary saying, Oh, they've taken Jesus. They've taken, we don't know where. So Peter went out and they were going toward the tomb. Oops, I pressed something wrong. Hang on, huh? See, that's why I don't know too, like technology too much. Ah, I got it back. So Peter went out. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there. But he did not go in. See, So John did not go in. Um, I like these two, Peter and John, because they didn't just hear for themselves that what Mary had said might have been true because no one had been resurrected before, right? Somebody had taken, but they wanted to find out for themselves. I wonder how many other people heard what Mary said. How many bothered to come? But Peter and John says, I'm going to find out for myself. I'm going to come. And maybe you came here today because somebody forced you, your wife or your husband, or maybe we advertise our food really well on Facebook or wherever. But you came anyway. And I want to encourage you to come and draw near. Come and draw near and see for yourself. Because that's what Peter and John did. They didn't just hear, they ran towards the tomb. They say the proof in the meal is in the eating. I should know that. You got to taste and see for yourselves. So not contenting to listen, not content to just listening, they wanted to see for themselves. And I guess that's why later on, John will write this, that which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have touched with our hands. It is, so more, it is more effective if we are witnesses that we've actually personally encountered Jesus. I've shared with you many, many times, you know, how as a 14-year-old boy, I was invited to a service like this. And I actually said, when the preacher said, ask God, what do you want? And I said, okay, God, if you are real, I'm in 14, you know, what do you know? I said, God, if you're real, I want to know that I know that I know that I know that you're real. I don't want anyone else to tell me. I want to know it myself. And God is still answering that prayer of a 14-year-old boy today. And God will also still answer your call. You know, I don't care how old you are regardless of how old we are. I like the fact that Peter and John were running together. I like the word together as we look at the scripture, how they are running together, older and younger. Healthy competition. You know, Peter, uh, uh, Peter was a bit older, and, and so John writes, hey, uh, that, that, you know, the younger one reached there first. Lah, you know? But, but wait, John actually honors Peter later on. I'll come to that. But he's not shy of saying, hey, I, I got there first. But the fact is, they both were running together. Bible says two are better than one. It's a good return. One helps the other. That's why we believe an in-person experience in church is important. Yes, you can Zoom at home. Of course you can learn. But it's great when you come here because iron sharpens iron. When we are offended by someone and we learn to forgive offenses and overlook, those things are good for us. It helps us, keeps us grounded. I like the friendship. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24, do not give up the assembling ourselves together that we might spur 
one another up. And we can say, come on, as our worship team went today. We said, yes, Lord. And what a resounding sound it was when we can lift up our voice together and say, amen to God, be the glory. Amen. Peter went in first, John followed. Who's following you? Who's following you? John, um, what's that leader's name? John Maxwell says, if you're a leader and no one's following you, you're just going for a walk, right? Who's following you? And what legacy are we leaving behind? Are you taking people closer to the Savior or further? I hope we are taking people closer to the Savior. Any good dish, if you have, you have to come hungry. I like this picture about John having to stoop down to a tomb. You know, the tombs at that time carved out of the cave was about a meter high and about, you know, three quarters of a meter wide. So you can't just walk right in or you knock your head. You've got to come down and stoop. I like this posture that John talks about of being humble enough to come in. And so sometimes we come with our own preconceived ideas like Mary. No way Jesus could resurrect it. But we have to leave some of these things behind. Not your mind, because I think like, you know, often I think I has told us before, our faith is not based on blind faith, but on reasonable faith. There are plenty of, you know, records and evidences of Jesus rising from the dead and witnesses, etc. Many of which, in fact, if not all of them, except John that I remember, that have given their lives. If it was a lie that Jesus didn't rise, then they would have died for nothing. Would you do that? Would you die for a lie? Of course not. Mary saw from a distance. I remember a few days ago, um, Emerson was, uh, my second son, was playing tennis and uh, my mom was cooking bakute. And I was working and I could smell just from my house when I went out. Wow, it smelled so good. And it drew me. I'm like, I was telling Denise, I said, tonight is going to be good. Yeah? And I've been fasting the day. So I said, tonight is going to be really, really good. In fact, over dinner, Emerson said, you know, Ama, I just came home because you said bakute, and I, 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 you know, I don't like any other people's bakute, not even the expensive one that dad has taken us, but I just like yours. I said, I could imagine him playing tennis and smell, ooh, Ama's bakute, bakute, bakute. Come home, come home, draw near. I hope I, that you are hungry, not just for the food. That's why we purposely keep it at 12 so that when you're really hungry and then you go, it's there, right? But I like this picture where, you know, John writes, and you see this, the progression of the story. Mary saw from the outside, Peter and John running towards the tomb. John waiting outside, Peter rushing in to go near, and John comes in. And each time there's a progression, they see more and more and more. Come often, come near, right? And for those who just come once a year or twice a year, and that's fine, I'm glad you came, but keep coming because you might find that actually God holds a lot of rewards and mysteries and a wonderful dish for you. You might think that we need to bring God an escargot, ramen, instant, but actually God already has a whole banqueting table for us. Amen? So far, so good? Right, very quiet now today. Maybe you're hungry. The more you see, the more you perceive. Because seeing, do you perceive? Many of us here have been Christians for a long time. Is the bread of life fresh? Or is it just a memory from 20, 30 years ago? 
Because I hope today as you come that you would experience the power of his resurrection. It's not just in our heads or in a history book. Because God, is a rede- uh, God has a redemption plan for you and I. He's the redeemer and he wants to share his eternal life with us, the redeemed. Third course. Now it gets really nice and hot and uh, close, up close and personal. I think uh, Hades said it earlier on, which I had in on scripture. You know, the, uh, the, the psalmist writes this in Psalm chapter 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? God cares and loves you. I have a friend I, I just started to know in the last maybe three months ago, I met him. He is a Messianic Jew. He, he was raised up as an Orthodox Jew. Now, David um, is a lovely fella, uh, go, goes to uh, St. Alfred's, and I got to know him through uh, one of my dear friends. And uh, on Saturday, we, had the, we went to visit, was it Saturday? Friday, Saturday. Saturday, we went to visit a dear friend who had just had surgery, um, and uh, he was there, and we had a, 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 a time of communion, and he was explaining all the symbols behind communion, the, uh, I can't remember the name, you know, the, the cloth and, and how the piece of bread into three different layers and one, the middle layer was taken up, Jesus, you know, wrapped up in a linen cloth. This is what the traditional uh, Orthodox Jews till today, they do when they celebrate Passover, right? And, and all of these symbols pointing to our, our Savior, Jesus. And so I asked him, I said, you know, what, what got you? What made you believe in Jesus? Was it the tradition? Was it the bread that you could see all the, 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 the piercing? And, you know, it looks like it's all marked and you can put the matzah bread up and you can see the, 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 the holes. Was it that, David? What, what caused you as an Orthodox Jew, you were raised up, what caused you to actually believe that Jesus is your Savior? I mean, surely it was the symbols, right? The lamb, the, the, you know, all this thing. He said, no. He said he went to church like this one day and uh, he was so convicted that God would love him. That God loves him. No wonder the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The proof of any meal, it's in the tasting. And if you haven't tasted the Lord today, I hope will be the day where you get to open up your heart and say, Jesus, I'd like to experience you afresh for myself. Not what somebody up there in the preaching, holding the mic or what some skit is saying, but I want to experience you for myself. And let God come into your heart and my heart. Simon Peter comes next. Uh, where did I go? Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head. Not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place. Isn't it so funny? Jesus rising from the dead, cloths there, but the face cloth gets folded up. Mm. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. I like this picture of John and Peter. Remember I said younger, older? Younger one, all the young people go, woo! Amen? All the older ones are going, woo. Yes, the younger one arrives first, but he waits. I don't know, the Bible is silent why he waited, but he waited, and Peter came in next. Peter, the older guy. I like this picture, and maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe John was just scared to go in. Maybe he didn't want to violate himself, because if you touch a dead body, you will be unclean, according to those ceremonial laws. Maybe he was afraid of the dark. Maybe he was afraid of what he would find. But regardless, he was outside looking in. But when Peter came, brash, older Peter now, wiser, I don't know, he walks right into the tomb. 
John watches him, emboldened by what uh, uh, John, uh, Peter has done, he goes in himself too. We are a multi-generational church, young and old. You know, I, I come to a stage in life where I'm not afraid of using the platform to shine the spotlight on the younger ones and say, let's cheer them on. Let's encourage them. Because boy, they need a lot of encouragement, right? Whether here or in UK then, right? Fight the good fight of faith. Amen, Jordan, wherever you are. Like our role as those who are slightly older is to encourage our young people. Yes, they would make mistakes. We all did. But let's shine the spotlight and encourage and spur them on, you know. Like you, your kids, you know, come on, don't give up. Because God has many things for you. Yes, even you. But also, how John would honor an older person. I like that picture. And that's why we are very grateful for a lot of our founding elders and, and our uncles and aunties who still painstakingly serve us today, whether in food or different ministries. And we honor them. Because that's not just the Asian way or the Italian way or the Greek way. That is the kingdom of God way. And as household of faith, that's what we do. I love Galatians says, let's do good especially to the household of faith. So this Easter is as much of a message for you know, someone who only comes once or twice a year as it is for us in the house, that we would work as a multi-generational congregation. That's our DNA. Build and honor the younger, and as you're older, we role model it for you, but we also love and honor our older generation. It is the kingdom of God way. An invitation to a personal encounter. You know, it's really, the Bible is a really interesting buffet if we spend our time. And I hope that I would inspire you in a little way to read the Bible for yourself. You would find that throughout this short passage of about 10, 11 verses, there are three different Greek words used to describe the word see or seeing or saw. Three different groups. In English, we just say, yeah, he saw, he see, he, you know. It's just see, saw, you know. Only, but the Bible is quite clear and specific. The first, when Mary looks at, for the first time she sees the tomb, it is the word blepo. Mary and John, and John as well, when he first sees it, he looks in, you know. It was just a casual glance, a look, blepo. And maybe that's how you come to know about Jesus. Maybe that's how, that's where you are at today. You are just a casual observer. Peter comes in, into the tomb, and a different word is being used to describe what he saw in the linen cloth and the face cloth. It's the Greek word theorio. Peter came into the tomb and saw the cloth. It is more than just a casual glance. It is a critical look, looking at something critically and carefully. It's a careful examination. And just as you enjoy a dish, if you just waff it down a nice roast lamb dish, I'll be very upset, you know, because it took me a lot of time. You can't eat it like a Big Mac. You savor the hours of preparation gone in, hopefully. And you mop it up the sauce with your bread. Theorio is the second word. But then the third Greek word that describes seeing is the word ido or ido. When John followed Peter into the temple and saw, the Greek word for the word saw is ido. 
it is, the idea is not just to see, but to apprehend, to understand what is it that you are seeing. And that, I feel, is often the bit that trips us up. Because we see with our logical, intellectual, Instagram-filled 21st century lens. And I hope today that we would see through eyes of faith. That we would see the story, his story for you and I. The author is silent. John is silent about Peter's conversion or what, what Peter saw and what the effect it had. John only described himself that he saw idol and believed. It reminds me that my faith is my faith and yours is yours. He doesn't write about Peter's conversion experience. Maybe Peter would tell him someday. But at that point in time, it was his faith. And John said he saw and he believed. I wonder how many of us sometimes, me included, we're so concerned with someone else's faith that we do not actually check our own heart and say, hey, do I really believe you amidst all of these dangers and news that I see? Where are you, God? And I pray that your faith will be like that of John, up close, personal, where you see and you experience for yourself, I know that I know that I know in whom I believe. Paul writes this in 2 Timothy towards the end of his life. He says, I know whom I believe and I'm convinced that he's able to guard, he's able to guard all that I've entrusted to him. You know, our walk with God is a very intimate one. And I pray today, Amongst other days will be a great day that we would start that walk of intimacy with Him. Fourth and final course, scene four. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that He must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Isn't it funny? Think about it. Jesus actually told me a few times that he was going to rise from the dead. Right? He said, I told his disciples, right? The chief priests and the religious leaders of the law remembered what he said, even though his disciples, his closest, didn't, right? They actually went a petition Pilate and says, you need to send some guards there and guard the tomb in case somebody tries to steal the body and then they say, Jesus is the Messiah and we get overthrown. And so it's really funny, I find, that his own enemies believe what he said. Not his own disciples. His own enemies believed it and they put the guards out there, right? Funny, isn't it, how sometimes my faith and my walk don't match. I'm sure I'm the only one here. When I look at the news and recession and vaccine and, 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 and blood clots and all these things, we're confronted, oh, God, where are you? We have to have our own faith and walk. The other thing that catches me with this statement that they saw but they didn't fully understand gives me hope. Because, you know, we don't need to understand everything. And that's where faith comes in, reasonable faith. Will you trust the Lord even though it's dark? I don't always understand why certain things happen. Can you explain why he would leave me or she would leave? Why there would be a death? After all, we love the Lord. Bible reminds us that life here on earth is temporary and we don't always understand. But it's okay because this life 
pales in comparison to all of eternity that the Redeemer wants to spend with you, His redeemed. The resurrection for me is important because of four things. Paul talks about only the Son of God. If someone is resurrected, it's the Son of God. And Paul writes about that in Romans 1 verse 4. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. First time. Son of God. The resurrection gives me hope of my own resurrection someday. That we too, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep or die in Jesus. That's your hope, Christian. That you know that you too will be resurrected one day. The resurrection means that Christianity is unique. There's no bones of Jesus. You can't find it. I, people have tried, trust me. You can read about that. And finally for me, the resurrection proves Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. Dying as a common criminal for a crime he did not commit. That was the payment. The resurrection is the receipt. And the Holy Spirit is the deposit for the eternal life that's coming. That's powerful. Did you hear what I said? The cross was his payment. Resurrection is the receipt. It's not there. Boleau is risen. Holy Spirit in you. Holy Spirit in you is the deposit. One day I will see him face to face and I worship him. And so as we close today, the Easter message gives us a very profound truth. Redemption plan, redeemer, and the redeemed in this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, redeemer. That whoever redeemed believes in him should not perish redemption plan, but have eternal life. While all eyes are closed, and so I rumble towards the close of this service. Would you spend a few moments in this sacred moment and time to turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in His wonderful face? Your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will go strange. In the light of His glory and grace Let's sing that again Turn your eyes upon Jesus Won't you look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory.
I want to make an invitation if you are here, whether in the lobby or the multi-purpose room. If you say, Roger, all my heart is like a tomb. I've tried to protect it and cover it, but all I have is fragments of death. I want to invite you respectfully to the foot of the cross. He is risen, but it's a symbol. The cross was the payment for you and I. His resurrection is a, is a receipt. If that's you today, wherever you are, would you just get out of your seats? I don't want to make a big deal out of it. Just come to my left and someone will pray with you. The Son of God died for you. And if that's you this morning, this is an important time. I also want to pray and ask for our Christians in here. Maybe this Easter is not like the Easter you've imagined. I hope it's deeper and more meaningful. I apologize I have not come up with as many jokes because I don't want to come and entertain you this morning. But I'm coming to talk to you about things that are of eternal weight. Where are you in your walk? Are you harboring an empty tomb? Because He wants to break you out. If that's you this morning, also please come out from your seats. We want to spend some time. We have plenty of time before food. Just come to the right. I'm going to hand it over to Chris in a sec. Hallelujah. Why don't we just stand as we sing this song again? If you want to come out from your seats, I'll wait. If you're in the multi-purpose, wherever. If you want to do business with God, today would be a good day. Let's sing that. Mm. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His today in prayer um, it is significant that you are here on Easter Sunday and just like Roger was saying some of you need to recalibrate your sight or the thing that you are focused on so even after I close in prayer please feel free I want to invite you to maybe make your way into the sanctuary up near our stage area. We will have a team here to pray for you. Whether you want to find out more about Jesus, whether 